Hey everybody, welcome to the Piggy Bookworm Podcast. Today I have Mark Simmons. He is an author from Northeast England. Um, and we get to talk about his move from London and just life in general. Um, we also get to talk about his books and the process of being an author, um, all that sort of stuff. So grab a cup of tea and enjoy. Hey, everybody. Welcome to the Picky Bookworm podcast. I am here with Mark Simmons, and we are going to get to talking about life books. Apparently, he has a YouTube channel that I didn't know about, so we'll be talking about that as well. Stay tuned, grab a cup of tea, and enjoy. So, Mark, real quick, tell us a little bit about you. Uh... Okay, I my first book was published in 2015. Nice. Um, and I've I've been writing since I was 10, 11, a child basically. I mean, even before I was writing, I was still even with sort of you know soldier little figures and Star Wars figures. I was always making up stories and from a very young age, just kind of winging it, making up stories as I went along with my toys basically and then it's sort of I got to an age where I was like why don't I just write these down and then it's kind of just gone from there and I managed to get three books published out of it so you know must have there must have been something there for it so um yeah um and yeah what else can I say um I live in England um on the east coast of England so about about an hour's train journey north of London northeast of London, uh, used to live in London, lived there for 12 years, um, doing the whole city life, which was, was good, expensive, which is why I now don't live there anymore. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, I don't know about what it's like in a lot of the major cities in the US, but in Lon- London is it, the prices of everything is, is just ridiculous. Like, um, uh-uh. we, we moved out and went from let's say i was doing we were doing 1400 pounds a month rent to we're doing just you know half that mortgage now that we've moved out of london it's to yeah more uh, yeah 1400 rent for a one-bedroom flat as opposed to half that in a three-bedroom house with a garden and a driveway and a garage and you know it's it's a no-brainer really um yeah that but yeah yeah, we, um, my husband and I live in the middle, basically, of the U.S. And um, we live in a city that our cost of living here mm-hmm. is, um, like, probably a third of what it would be in some place like New York City or yeah. Los yeah. Angeles. Um <clears throat> Or even Chicago. Chicago has is pretty inexpensive as well in comparison to L.A. and New York. And we actually, um, there was a lady that I saw on YouTube one day that I, I think this is just so funny because she and her husband moved here from L.A. And she did a whole video on why they chose to move here. They actually, he, her husband had family here, so they chose to move back here. And 
one of the things that she said was, you know, I am talking so much about what a great place to live this city is, but mm-hmm. we have a really great culture here. I don't want all you hipsters from LA and New York <laughs> coming here and trying to change us because it's not going to work. And yeah, I yeah. just, I thought that was so great because she's actually from California. So, you know, that's <laughs> one of those things that she can say. But if somebody yeah. from if somebody from here were to say that, then you know we they would get mad. But yeah, she's like, "Don't come here and try to change the culture because it's great, awesome." Well, I know there's been a there's been a mass exodus to uh, to Texas, basically from California, hasn't there? I've seen a lot of people moving to Austin or Houston or there's um, just just getting out of California, basically. California. Well, and part of that is California is so expensive you know one Mm. of the things that um this girl mentioned was you know there was a house she actually went on zillow i think it was which is like a house buying realty app she went on there and she found a i think it was a one bedroom house in la or the surrounding area to buy was 915 dollars that same size house here was just over 300000 So we're talking about a third yeah. of what it costs to live there. You know, $2,800 for a tiny one-bedroom apartment. My husband and I are paying less than $700. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah. so it's, you know, our cost of living here is so inexpensive compared to other places and one of the things that we love about it here is that the culture here is really great. You know, it's just, you know, I tell people we're a small town, big city, you know, and we, we're, we're a fairly large city. We have just under a million people, I think in, in the city and the surrounding areas. Right. Um, It's a lot of people, but it's very small. It feels like a small town. When you come here, the culture is is that very small town. And so, you know, and my family's here and I'm like, we're never leaving. (laughs) This is just generations after generations of, you know, Wilsons are going to live in this area (laughs) because we're not leaving. So, um, you know, but yeah, I, I get the, the wanting to move away from that super expensive, you know, way of life, which it's great if you make 6,000 pounds a month in your job or, you know, or $4,000 a month, you know, it's great if you want to, if you can live like that, enjoy, no judgment, but normal people that don't make $6,000 a month, you know, well, I should say regular people. I shouldn't say normal people. Regular yes. people who don't make six thousand dollars or pounds, you know, or whatever a month, you know, move to where you are comfortable in the income, you know, you have. Don't don't try to kill yourself to make more just so you can live in the fancy. Yeah, yeah. Fancy well, I mean, my wife dessert. still my, my wife still works in London. She commutes in, so she does the the hour train back in. Oof. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But you know, she uh. She weighed up the the um, the price of what we would what we were doing, and then did the maths on 
uh, annual train ticket plus mortgage and it was still the annual train ticket and the mortgage were less than the rent so it's like well there you go done let's so get she, out of here so she buys a, <laughs> so she buys a train ticket that lasts a year yes so you get an That's annual cool. uh, so it, it includes the train and the tube so the underground as well so because nice. you then once she's still got to get to her job once she's in london so she's you know it's it's um I guess it's similar to the New York subway type thing. Yeah. It's vast. And I mean, there's miles and miles of it. Um, yeah, that sounds like New York. Yeah. I've never actually well, I, I been to New York City, but. I think London's about 15 miles across or something like that. It's, it's just enormous. Yeah. And um, spreads out. And it's, yeah. I mean, I live, we lived there for 12 years and there's whole areas I've never even been to. I mean, it's just, it's just enormous. But it's great. And that's actually kind of where my books are set. Oh, so, nice. it, um, yeah. I, mean, I, so, will, uh, I will probably have to check those out. London is on my bucket list. I, I want to <clears> visit so bad. My husband actually works um, international accounting for a law firm that's based in London. Okay. And yeah. so, um, you know, I told him one day, I said, if for whatever reason, I said, it's probably never going to happen, but if, for whatever reason, this law firm calls and you have to travel to London, I have to go with you. (laughs) It is not a choice. It is not an option. I don't care if we have to sell a kidney. I'm going with you. (laughs) No, it's a great place. It's really great. Um, And, you know, leaving was, it was a hard decision. Yeah. But it was kind of, we got to the point where we were, um, we were just living in, we were living in Camden. So like right in the middle. Um, and we weren't going out anywhere. We were just, at weekends, we'd go to the, the pub five yards away, but we weren't seeing the city. I mean, well, what, yeah. Why are we spending all this money if we're not using the amenities? Yeah. So, so it was, you know, that and... I got made. I, I sort of. I got made for a redundant from a job, and it was the second redundancy from the same industry in about three years. And I was like, "All right, I need to. We need to reassess this." Yeah. So, um, yeah. So it was a yeah. We moved out, and uh, well, four years ago. But it's great. I've, I've, I'm you know, best decision. <laughs> we're from this area anyway. Where we live now, we were from about half an hour north of where we are now. So That's I grew cool. up in the area, so I know the area. Um, it was a, um, as my wife said, the the train station's really close to get to London, and it's just far enough away so that the family don't come round every day. <laughs> <laughs> they come say hello every now and then, but they don't just pop in because it's yeah. about half an hour, forty minutes from everyone. Yeah, that works. <laughs> so, um, <laughs> yeah, yeah, I get that. Um, okay, so you mentioned your books. Can you tell us yes. a little bit about what what they're about? Are they part of a series? Are they standalones? Yep. That kind of thing. So, um, the first one was called "Of the Night," and it's about um, a sort of failing musician called Whitfield who. The very start of the book, he wakes up hanging from a meat hook in a warehouse, basically. Oh. As in, just tied up. Yeah. Nice. Um, and it's from there, he kind of, he manages to escape, but um, with the help of someone, and he ends up being made immortal. 
through like a um, it becomes a vampire, but they don't use the V word in the in the in the in the book. It's a, it's kind of a swear word, vampire. Oh. Um, because it's, and um, they kind of they are vampires. You know, they need blood, but they only need blood if they're injured to regenerate. So they don't need it every day, and they don't need to feed continuously. And um, and I just it was so it's, it's from the vamp it's a vampire mythos, but I wanted to change it up because um, I don't really have any religious beliefs myself, and I find that a lot of the vampire mythos is all based around curses and crucifixes and religion, and I just wanted to take that out. And I changed it so that it's a um, it's a bloodborne virus that only people with AB negative blood can get. So only one percent of the population has AB negative blood. So only one percent of the population can be infected as a vampire, which is still ninety million people. But it's you know it's sort of it adds a little bit of um, what's the word I want uniqueness to the the character sort of the vampire yeah. world so to speak yeah um, i i really one thing is i you know i really enjoy finding vampire books you know i love the the mythology around vampires but there you know there's the traditional vampire mythos and then there's mm. the the unique take that authors like yourself bring mm. to the, the vampire mythology um, and a friend of mine um, they wrote or he wrote I guess um, the oil and water books um, and you know I really enjoyed the mythology um, in the in that book and then I'm really looking forward to getting the second book um, <clears throat> so you know, I really enjoy the the new take that authors mm. take on vampires and, you know, the infection and all of that. Mm. One thing that I would like to see is, <clears throat> you know, one thing that I noticed is vampires are only affected by Christian religious artifacts. Yeah. And... You know, I, I've always enjoyed that part of it, I guess, because I, you know, I'm a Christian, so I'm like, right. well, that just kind of gives me the, the, the feeling that mine is the only real religion, you yeah. know, yeah, and, yeah, yeah. you know, and I'm not trying to judge everybody else or, or anything like that. That is not what I'm trying to do here. Um, but I would like to see a vampire that is affected by a statue of the Buddha or, yeah, you know, a sta or a star of David or the, um, a statue of Kali, you know, and, you know, yeah. don't just make it, you know, if vampires are affected by religious artifacts, don't just make it Christian religious artifacts. You yeah. Know, I, I would well, love to have see. Have you ever read, um. Have you ever read I Am Legends by Richard Matheson? I have not. So the, they did the that terrible Will Smith movie adaptation they did recently. <laughs> um, it was but, not my favorite Will Smith movie. I will agree with you there. <laughs> um, but in that, he, because the, 
the main character is a, is a scientist. It's a very science-based um, vampire novel. And he's sort of catching, a bit, bit like the movie, he's catching them during the day to study them. And he finds out that there's one, goes into one house and they're not affected by the crucifix, but it's a Jewish household. So, so there is an element, there is in the book, it was quite interesting. I was like, oh, so what you were just saying was kind of like, does happen very, very briefly in my yeah. legend. So, well, and it's, and it's rare too. Yeah. You know, because when you think of vampire, you think of holy water, you think of crucifix, you think of a cross, you think, you know, you think of all of these Christian artifacts that will keep them away. Well, yeah. what if you're not a Christian? What if you're a Buddhist? Can yeah. you can you keep you know the vampire isn't going to stay away unless you have all of these other Christian artifacts in your house? They need to go away because of the Buddha, yeah. You know, or they need to go away because of the Star of David or the menorah or you know, the, you know whatever yeah. else other Jewish artifacts you have in your house. And I just think that that would be you know if I have any authors listening. um you know i just think that that would be a really interesting take on the vampire mythology because it's something that i haven't seen before no i mean i I guess the 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 counter to it is that the reason it's a lot of christian and and sort of catholic um elements to it is because that's principally the 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 audience well, and, that's so, the main, whereas, and that's the main religion in the world as well. Yeah, and it's kind of a, you're kind of, you're, you're giving a a law that's already there that's been created by the Bible. If you, if you see what I mean, there's sort of the law of Catholicism is already there. So you already know the backstory. You're not creating a brand new religion. So you're sort of, you have the religion there as a starting point to have the, the curse so to speak right that makes sense yeah yeah um so yeah i've written and i've written three of them so there's a trilogy so the first one's of the night second one is purged in flame the third one is raised from darkness um and they were i think it was 2015 16 and 18 they were published um and i've got an omnibus of the trilogy coming out at the end of March 25th, which you can pre-order now. <laughs> <laughs> Make it um, guys. And it's, uh, it's, so it's an omnibus with the three combined with a few other extra extra parts from um, other characters because the, the trilogy is all point of view of the main character. So, which I did for the first book and then got sort of halfway through writing the second one and I realised that kind of hamstring myself a bit because there was other stories I wanted to add but I was like well no I, I need to stick to the point of view of the same character so by only having Whitfield's eye it kind of limited my storylines a bit so unless Whitfield's in the room you don't know what's going on right. you see what I mean yeah. so um so having adding the extra bits in the omnibus I've added a few scenes mm-hmm. from different characters so it's a bit more um gets you a bit more of the world Cool. And um, and it's based, and they're all based during the um, the London riots of 2011, because I was living there at the time, and it was sort of I was when I was writing them, I, I probably started the first book by then, and I was kind of I needed some kind of 
um, story arc. And then obviously the riots happened and it's the, it was a good enough um, event, historical event where I could, where it would create and give the, the, the world enough origin for it to be kind of like, okay, that might have happened. You see what I mean? By yeah. by having a historical event as the main arc, it was a a a, a means to. I've lost my train of thought here. A means oh, to. No. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. Um. It was yeah. So. Yeah. So they're they're sort of that's the trilogy, and then I've got a. I'm currently writing something new. Um. Which, which is, is going to be my next question. So, <laughs> <laughs> sorry, I'm not talking for That's you. Okay. Um, so the next one is a detective novel, um, which is um, about yeah, detective novel. Used um, got notes somewhere. New story. Yeah, it's about uh, you know the the sort of the down and out detective, which is the. I know it's a bit of a cliche story, but the down and out detective and the fresh faced detective constable who um, and the two of them and they're kind of um, they're just they're chasing a killer. You know, the usual same same old thing, but um, it should be I'll a copycat I... of Jack the Ripper. That's that's who they're chasing is a copycat of Jack the Ripper. Yeah, I don't know. I just think that Jack the Ripper is just one of my. I'm I'm fascinated by that whole the whole Jack the Ripper mythology, just, I guess, and you know there's so never, many um, theories, isn't there? Like, there's tons the of theories. It was, was a prince. It was the Prince Regent. Another one is you know is a surgeon. Is sort of it's amazing, yeah. And uh, you know, so I I always you know whenever there's a story that has to do with. A, a copycat or Jack the Ripper himself. I'm like, okay, I need to read that. <laughs> and there's actually a book that is um, his diary. I think they they actually okay. found found his diary and and printed it as a book. I think I, I could right. totally be wrong on this, so I apologize if I am. Um, but that has been on my list that I want to read for like a few months at least. I've got a pile, yeah, piles of books to read. Anything, Pile, pretty much anything having to do with Britain or London or the UK or anything like that. I'm like, okay, yeah, it's got to go on my list. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So. No, it's, and so, yeah, this, the new ones will be, so it'll be set in the same universe as the trilogy as well, but with the kind of the supernatural reigned back in so a lot less of the supernatural more the so it's the same universe but just the everyday bods on the street rather than the creatures of night if you see what i mean yeah um yeah and it's but i think there's a there's gonna be an element of um sort of dealing with the main character is gonna be dealing with grief because it's sort of um i lost my father a few years ago and it's sort of a um it might be a bit of an ode to him and my what I've been through the past few years because it's been um, hasn't been fun. Yeah. I don't know whether you, you've lost a parent or not, but it's it's really not very nice, and it was unexpected. So I, I don't know. There's you know there's no right time, but sometimes when it 
when you're when they're ill for a while there's an element of I don't know I, I haven't had that but when he just went so it was kind of like oh yeah okay yeah so my, yeah my father passed away um a year ago January right. um but so he and I weren't he and I weren't close so okay. yeah so for me it was a completely you know we weren't close and we had about I want to say about a year's warning um he had he had cancer um right. and for the longest time the doctors weren't able to prove to him that he had cancer because there was there was a medication that he was on that would have messed with the test results Right. And, okay. you know, so the doctor is telling him, well, I'm like 98% sure that you have cancer. So I want to, you know, I want to start treatment. And my father is very, was very, very, very stubborn. That was like, he I'm was just old. very, very I'm stubborn. <laughs> and he, you know, basically was telling the doctor, you know, well, I'm going to believe that 2%, you know, you're only 98% sure. So I'm going to believe that 2%. So until you can test to prove to me, well, by the time they were able to test and, you know, tell him, you know, okay, we've completed the other 98% or the other 2%, you definitely have cancer. He was already terminal. And, um, so didn't have very long, you know, but, but he and I, but he and I weren't close. So my, so my reaction to all of it was very different than my sister's, you know, my sister and he were very close and, you know, so my, you know, my reaction was, okay, well, he and I weren't close. I've already grieved his loss a long time ago because, you know, we didn't have, we didn't really have a relationship. So my reaction was, I'm going to be there for you. I'm going to be there for my stepmom. I'm, you know, I'm, I'm okay. I'm good. So I'm going to be strong for you guys. And, you know, and I, my sister will probably listen to this episode and I hope I don't piss her off by, you know, saying all of this, but you know, he and I just, we weren't close. And I remember at one point he texted me which he didn't usually do unless he wanted something, um, you know, and, or wanted to tell me something or wanted me to pass along a message or, you know, and so he texted me just to talk. And I remember texting my husband and going, okay, I think my father's dying. (laughs) Because, because literally he never does this and you know and Aaron I'm really sorry if this upsets you I'm not trying to do that you know but to to lose your father that way versus losing your father suddenly you know with no expectation I can only imagine how tough that could be You know, yes, but I mean, because I, I definitely, I didn't write for about a year. Just, it just wasn't the spark wasn't there. Yeah, and then so I haven't actually been properly <coughs> about eighteen months because I sort of was grieving my dad, and then this wonderful um, pandemic hit, 
and my, I don't know whether whether because I've I've listened to the show. You you don't you don't write, but you you do sort of blogs. And I stuff I like blog. Um, so, I write book reviews. I do yeah. the the podcast here. You know, I I critique what you write basically. <laughs> right. It's just that with the pandemic, I just there wasn't the creative spark. I mean, particularly sort of March through to September last year, I just there was just no spark. Yeah. Because it was just such a weird, weird world that we were living in, and it just sort of my brain just wasn't the yeah the creative element. It just wasn't there. And it was so yeah. There was a good eighteen months I haven't written, which, which is annoying. But you know you've got to you've got to do what you got to do sometimes, haven't you? Well, and you have to you know, and you have to give yourself grace. You know when yeah. there's when there's situations. You know I have, you know I try really 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 hard to have a schedule on my blog. <laughs> For book reviews and, you know, because those are my absolute favorite posts to write. And, you know, when I started in January, I was like, okay, I'm going to post every day. I'm going to write, you know, a different article, whether it's bookish or not. I'm going to, you know, I'm going to write every day. And I got through, I think, about half of January and realized the book reviews that I was writing were the only posts that I looked forward to. Right. And yeah, I'm like, yeah. okay, that, okay, there's, there's something here. And so I, you know, posted on Twitter that, you know, I'm like, my blog is only going to be book reviews from now on. And here's why. And, you know, but there are some books that I've read that I wasn't ever planning on reviewing on my blog. You know, I could, right. I could review every single book. Um, and that would probably be okay and everybody would enjoy it, you know, but there are some, there are some books that I just would not enjoy reviewing, um, you know, especially the one book so far this year (laughs) that I have not enjoyed. It was about a three star read approximately. Um, I try not to give star, star ratings, but you know, this was Mm -hmm. about a three star. It was. I didn't enjoy it, but you might. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, I get it, and yeah. it was, you know, and I actually included it in my wrap-up podcast post that I posted earlier this week, um, which I don't normally do. I try really hard not to bash books. I don't kick yeah. people. I don't kick people's babies. I don't kick people's puppies. I don't bash their books. It's just, you know, and. So, you know, one of the things that I said in that podcast episode was, uh, you will never hear me say, don't read this book unless that book is problematic in some way. You know, if, if the book is just overtly racist or overtly bigoted in some way, or if it's... The Turner Diaries or something like that. He's like, yeah. I'm not going to recommend that. Or Mind Camp. You're not going to recommend that, are you? Sort of thing. I'm so. probably not even <laughs> going to read them. So there you go. <laughs> but, um, but you know what I mean? That's the and, that, yeah. that, that sort of thing. Like, no, no one needs to read that. So, yeah. I mean, yeah, unless the, you know, but, you know, so I try really hard not to bash 
books. That this yeah. this particular book was just the the characters to me just seemed really one dimensional. Mm-hmm. You know, when you read a book, you want the characters to have some sort of growth yeah. throughout the book. You know, you want them to to grow towards something or change their attitude towards something and you know the main character kind of did but he just kind of remained the same disrespectful little oaf that he was when you first meet him right you know he didn't really grow towards anything you know he didn't really change towards anything and you know in the secondary character um, the the main character's roommate was super excited about everything, right. and he remained that way through the entire book, you know. And so it's for me, it just didn't it didn't strike that emotional piece that you want a yeah. book to strike. You know, you want you want your reader to root for the good guys and, you know, cry for the bad guys. You know, you want your readers to have some sort of emotional connection to the book and to the characters. And I just didn't, you know, I was about halfway through the book determined to finish it because I wanted to highlight another box in my reading journal. (laughs) But, you know, I was about halfway through and I just noticed that I didn't care whether they reached their goal or not. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I always try and I always try and finish books, even if I'm not enjoying it. I, I very rarely do. I just discard it. I try because, you know, someone's written this. You yeah. should at least try and try and finish it, even if you're bored beyond tears. But it's. There's been very few occasions where I've literally not finished a book. Maybe a couple, but... I um, I think since I started my blog, it'll be two years in May, I think I have not finished maybe six books. Okay. Mm. So I'm not... I am not a serial not finisher. Mm. Um, you know, this, the book has to have, you know, pretty serious problems for me not to finish a book. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. The the first one that I can remember that I actually reviewed on my blog, I'm like, I'm ashamed to admit that. Um, but you know that was back when I was determined to review every every book I read, I read whether I finished it or not, yeah. and you know to get a repertoire of articles up. Um, but it was a memoir, which I really, really, really enjoy memoirs. But but this particular one was, this horrible thing happened to me, and then this horrible thing happened to me, and I'm going to tell you about them in explicit graphic detail. But then this really nice thing happened to me, and it was a three-year period of my life, but I'm going to gloss over those details because I want to go back to this really, really horrible thing that happened to me when those three years were over. And it was just, it was... One bad thing after another that she talked about, and I could not stand the negativity. 
Yeah. It, you know, yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't know if you have noticed, but I'm a pretty positive person yeah. overall. Yeah, yeah. You know, I, I try to keep positive things in my life. I try to keep all of that positive, happy energy around me. And when it's not, I go into a tailspin. Like, I yeah. don't get it. And, you know, so I try to keep, you know, positive people around me. And, you know, so when I get hit with that much negativity, I could not take it. And so I had to not finish the book, but I didn't want to. I felt so guilty (laughs) for not (laughs) finishing that book. And, you know, one other, one other book was, I, I don't even know what the author was thinking when I, I just, it was a book set right after Jesus died and, and was raised and ascended into heaven. Hmm. And it was, it centered around Jesus brother. Okay. And well, Jesus did not just have a brother. Jesus left behind a pregnant widow. I don't know if you knew this. Okay. According to the book. Right. Because, you know, my, you know, when I was reading this book, I'm like, okay, surely if something that important, surely they would have mentioned it in the Bible. Yeah. yeah. You would, you would, you would think, you would think that something that important, they would, they would have mentioned it. So, you know, that was problem number one was that Jesus left behind a pregnant widow. And, you know, and then there were, you know, several other things that were, you could just tell if you have any knowledge of Christianity, the basis of Christianity, anything, if you have any knowledge at all, then, okay, that could not have happened. And it was, you could just tell that the author had not done any type of research into Christianity at all. It was just, I'm going to base it in this world because I want to. And to heck with anybody who doesn't like it. It It's just kind of... an element of writing it to annoy people as well, maybe? Or? I, I have absolutely no idea. People get annoyed by that storyline. I, I have no idea. I read a book that was, um, it was a fictional story set, written about Esther from the Bible. Right. That, I, I must admit, I don't know the Bible too well. Okay. Well, really? es- <laughs> Esther, Esther was a, a young Jewish woman who was very beautiful. Mm. And when the king basically had his wife killed for not attending to his every wish, he sent a, a proclamation out into the land that all of the beautiful young women were to come to the castle and have all of these beauty treatments and have, you know, all of this over the course of like a year. And yeah. at the end of that time, he was going to pick a new queen. Well, okay. 
Esther was the a young, sounds familiar, yeah. Yeah, sure. you know, Esther was a young Jewish woman. She was very beautiful. And her uncle, you know, told her, don't tell them that you're Jewish. You right. know, because it could cause a problem. So she goes to the castle. She becomes part of the king's harem. And when it comes her time to go to the king, he bas- he falls in love with her on sight and makes her his new queen. And she uses her position later to save her people. <coughs> That's a, a very paraphrased yeah, yeah, sure. story. Um, <laughs> and... So I, you know, I read a book years ago that was a, a fictional adaptation of the story of Esther. It was not okay. problematic at all. You could tell the author had done research into yeah, the story yeah. of Esther, into Jewish customs of the day, into, you know, all of this. And so when you read the book, you're fine with it, you know, because, yeah. you know, especially as a Christian, you're fine with it. You know what's going on you you know you're you could probably read the book and the bible side by side and not really find a whole lot different and but this particular book was just out there (laughs) and you know and i just could not finish it it was a net galley book that i had gotten and, you know, and I had to tell them, this is why I'm not finishing the book. And I had to be bluntly sure. honest, you know, because I was like, I don't even understand why the author wrote this book. <laughs> <laughs> it was just terrible, you know. But again, if I'm going to bash somebody's book, I won't ever name the book or the author. No, no, no. Um, and I know you've probably noticed that from other podcast episodes. Um mm. It's just, it's rare for me to do that. You know, when I did my wrap up, when I did my wrap up podcast episode, you know, I was like, I don't normally do this (laughs) when I, when I said, you know, bad things about, you know, that one book and, you know, so, but that is a book that I just won't ever recommend to anybody. Um, you know, I couldn't even finish it. How am I going to recommend it to somebody else? Um, you know, yeah. If you want a book to laugh at. I'll recommend it to you because, you know, if you have, if you have any knowledge of religion or Christianity at all, that book will crack you up. (laughs) It's just. I'll give it to my (laughs) mother-in-law. It's just, oh my gosh. Um, Okay. So what are you reading currently? Are you reading anything? Um, I am reading a book. It's a non-fiction, actually, which I don't, I, I rarely read non-fiction. It's a book called The Jigsaw Man, which is by a guy called Paul Britton. And he's a um, criminal psychologist. Nice. And it's about him, his um, journey from up through the sort of the years as a criminal psychologist and just how he gradually the police just got more and more involved with police cases. So it sort of starts in the 70s and ends about 97 or something like that. And um, so I'm about most of the way through, and it's, it's interesting because there's a lot of, there's a few cases that um, that are, they were very prevalent prevalent in British society. Like there was, um, there was a, a murder of a young boy in Liverpool called Jamie Bolger, 
and he worked on that case and it's it's the it, it's really interesting and it's it's just his his um he goes in and he sort of says there'll be a case of like right, you're looking you're looking for this type of person probably this age to this age does this probably a menial job a this prof- level of intelligence a profiler. it's just really interesting really interesting goes through all these different cases you know there's there's murder cases but there's also just kidnappings there's and each sort of chapter chapter two chapters is about each case and it's just it doesn't really go into the details of the the police side of it it's just him telling them what they need to look for like a profiler it's just really really interesting yeah like, like a profiler because um, that's what it's, a profiler, but it's basically a profiler yeah, yeah. so um the they there's in one chapter he does actually go to um, quantico to see the fbi um because the fbi were miles ahead of the uk police when it came to profiling basically um yeah so he's kind of the first british profiler really um and it's just really interesting my wife recommended it to me and um yeah, just going through that. It was there's a bit of, there's an element of research, research to it as well because of the detective thing I'm writing at the minute. Um, yeah, like I said, it's, I don't normally read fi- uh, nonfiction. I just I, I like to escape when I read rather. Yeah, than... me too. <laughs> <laughs> um, so um, particularly this particularly this book because there's a there's also a bit on uh, Fred and Rosemary West. I don't know if you're aware of them, but they they killed. Half a dozen young girls and buried them in the garden, and it's just horrible. But it's part of. It was like in the early nineties, so it, I, I remember it. You know, being a young teen, seeing it on the news, sort of thing. You know, that kind of like yeah. made the national news, which is pretty big in this country. But yeah, just seeing that and just reading about them is. It was very tough. Because it's like, yeah, this isn't a story. This actually happened, and yeah. what they're describing is like, oh my god, that's so. Yeah, the, um, I prefer to escape rather than educate. So what? <laughs> yes, absolutely. Um, so, what books do you normally read? What genres are your favorites? Um, all, all sorts, really. I mean, I kind of, I am um, a lot of classics over the last few years. Well, classics. I don't know if they call them classics, but I basically um, a lot of books I wanted to get called classics. I'm like, well, why are they classics? So I'll read them to get my own spin on it. So particularly over the summer, um, last summer, sorry, I read, finally read um, To Kill a Mockingbird, which I hadn't done. And I read um, Jamaica Inn and um, The Remains of the Day. Uh, for whom the bell tolls, um, Fahrenheit four five one. You know, just sort of. I was. I've been churning through classics for the last few years, really. And every now and then, I bust. You know, I go. I hit up some James Herbert, or I, you know, just some easy release, just some casual horror or some sci-fi. Or um, I read a, a couple of books about. I forget their names. They're about a a group of orcs that are. There was definitely a an element of a. It had a Sons of Anarchy vibe, but it was orcs on backs of horses, not horses, giant hogs. So like they're on the back of 
wild boars, basically. Orcs oh. on the back of boars <laughs> with a kind of Sons of Anarchy. What was it called? That sounds really interesting. The Grey Bastards was the first. Apologies for the language. The Grey Bastards and then the True Bastards. They're the first two books and there's another one coming out. And they've got a trilogy name, and I can't think what it's called. But they were good. They're really good. They, once, I, I, when I first started reading them, I, I, I kind of had the, this is, this is a lot like Sons of Anarchy, and was a bit annoyed, as in, like, are you just ripping <laughs> off Sons of Anarchy? But once you go into the story, I was like, no, well, actually, these are good. I like these. This is good. It's just, uh, okay. it's just enough escape to, um, for, yeah. So to read quite, read quite a lot of fantasy as well. Like I, I, mean, I, I read, I definitely read, I've read the George R. Martin's, R. R. Martin's uh, Game of Thrones books more than once, um, just because, well, they're very good. No, you've read them. I, I have not. I have the first two, um, and I have not read them yet. I yeah. think um, the the first book that I have, I bought because I could get it cheaper if i bought the second book and so but the first (laughs) but the first book is like this big it's like really 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 tiny and you know and the second one is it's bigger and so i'm like i think i need to buy the first book in the same size that i have the second one um Mm. because i don't want to strain my eyes because the type is like really 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 tiny and you know so i think that's i think that's where i'm at on that um i also um Strangely enough, they're quite easy reads in a, in a sort of, I mean, how, I don't know how much fantasy you read, but I, <laughs> that's I, about kind, all of I read. Learned, kind of learned to sort of skim over the unimportant bits, like when, um, like where he's describing what they're eating at the meal. And it's like, well, that's not like pages about what they're feasting on. Like it's, I like the, the universe is creating, but it's not relevant to the story. So you kind of learn to kind of, oh yeah, they're eating again, they're eating again. <laughs> and then you have a list of all of all of the the men at arms who are with the main the character and they'll they list them all and describe what they're wearing and then they're never mentioned again. And you're like, okay, so I don't need to know what each person's sigil is on their armor and, and because it's just not relevant. It's you learn to kind of skim read pages of see and that see and <laughs> that that irritates me because you know when I'm reading a book, you know I I do want to escape to mm. that world. I don't want to I don't want to skim. So that yeah that that kind of irritates me. Um, I'm sure I will get to them eventually, but um, they're. They're not very high up on my list. You know, I, I'm a very, you know, especially since I started my, my book blog and and joined book Twitter, you know, my, my tastes run towards the, the indie books, Yeah, you know, by, by the authors that I know on Twitter and, um, you know, books that I can get, you know, through BookBub that are usually self-published, you know, and, and my, my tastes run towards, towards those and, you know, getting, getting eyes on those and, and writing about those so that people know about them. And, um, you know, so yeah, if you, if you look at my blog, it's just about 
all indie right so, now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, I um, I actually bought a book on your recommendation. I bought Shadowless. Oh, but, um, nice. Randall will be That's happy to my, hear that. <laughs> came through the door the other day, so I, I'm, I'm I'm still a I still need paperback. I still need a physical book. I'm not on Kindle yet, or you know I can't. My I still like to pay a thumb through the pages rather than buy buy the um buy the Kindle yet. So, yeah, but I'll get there I'm... one day. Yeah, okay. I, I'm definitely a Kindle girl. I I will buy physical books. Like, I have physical books in my collection. Um, but mostly what I read, I just, you know, grab my tablet and go sit on the couch. You know, I don't. it's rare for me to grab a, a physical book. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, I, I do hope you enjoy it. And I, I look forward to yeah, I, to hearing your I thoughts. Mean, yeah, I, you, know, you described it, and then I, I sort of read the blurb, and I was like, okay, I'm in. I mean, it's, I'm interested. So, it yeah. is It is a very, very interesting book. Um, you know, one of the things that normally would irritate me about a fantasy book is the multiple points of view. Right. Um, yeah. You know, he's he's got like, I think it's like 12, I think, eight, eight nine, 12, something like that different characters that he writes from that person's point of view but he does a really good job at separating so you know who you're reading about yeah yeah. um and you know normally having that many points of view in a book i'd be like no (laughs) not even gonna happen um, you might struggle with the game of thrones books then because they're all point of view of different characters and then the Wheel of Time books were the same, weren't they? The Robert Jordan books were the same. There was, I don't know if you ever read those. They're, they're, they're even more time-consuming than the Game of Thrones books. But Sorry, Song of Fire and Ice, not Game of Thrones. Um, Ice and Fire, even, not Fire and Ice. But yeah, um, yeah, there's, that's kind of the... I guess you get that in a bunch of the sort of fantasy. You either get linear one character or you get multiples yeah multiple there's well, kind of no in between and reading reading multiple points of view is fine as long as mm. i know from whose point of view i'm reading you know yeah, yeah. i there's a a series of books that you know i'm i'm slowly making my way through the series um it's kind of you know, it's, it's a very easy read. And so it's, you know, if I read a particularly heavy book, um, like from an author or that I got on NetGalley, um, and just kind of need a break from heavy reading, I'll read one of these books, you know, because they're, they're very, very light, very easy read. Um, and there's probably like six, like five or six different points of view as you go through this series, you know, like when it starts, like the first three, three books, I think are from the same point of view from the main character. And then mm-hmm. as you go on, it, you know, kind of adds chapters and, and points of view of other people that they, yeah, yeah. that the authors have added, but they label the chapters. So, mm-hmm. you know, and it, they're all first person, um, but, or all, no, some are third person, some are first person. So that gets kind of yeah. confusing. But yeah. they label the chapter so you know who you're reading about. And that 
and, you know, it was really helpful. Um, I read a book last year and we're almost out of time. Um, but I read, I read a book last year that was, it was only three different points of view, Yeah. but I couldn't tell who I was reading about until like the second page of the chapter. Yeah. So I got real confused real quick. Yeah. yeah. (laughs) And, you know, ended up just not enjoying the book because of that. Yeah, yeah. So, when you're confused, you're not really your your mind's somewhere else, isn't it? If your you're mind is fig- is working too hard to figure out the story and not really able to enjoy the story. Exactly. Yeah. So, yeah. real quick, we have four minutes left. Um, real okay. quick, do you have any last words? Do you have any advice for new authors? Because um, you've been an author for a while. Um, mm-hmm. What and what can you say to someone who reviews books like me? Um, I think you're, you're you're doing the right thing by not um, being naming and shaming. I think that's that's cruel. That's that's a horrible part of modern social media. Um, and I think with regards to new authors, you've until you've got a finished product, you've got nothing to sell. You see what I mean? So you need to finish it before you can do anything. Until you've got a final finished product, you can't do anything. So um, get it written. That's the that's the main um, thing I've got to say. Until it's written, it's it's not sellable, or it's not publishable, or it's not you know. You need a finished product to um, push. It's it, not to sound like a um, like a business, but it's. Until you've got a finished product, there's nothing to sell. So um, get it written, (laughs) basically. Um, I mean, with me, I published through. I um, I got my. I published through. um, I just there was a. I was on Twitter, and there was a a company saying open submissions, and I just sent it in, and um, I got lucky in that sense. I sort of sent it in, and they said, "Oh, we'll be in touch within four to six weeks." sent in the first chapter and then two days later they got in touch so clearly they liked it nice so um, yeah so it's I, I got very lucky like that I I know a lot of people publish all over the place and submit everywhere and get rejected all the time I was very lucky and got um accepted quite quickly so um but yeah get 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 get, get your story written and then think about publishing and and publishers and and cover art and blurbs basically so (laughs) all that stuff that makes a book a book exactly yeah exactly well i have had a wonderful time chatting with you today um it was great to have you and um when we have when you have your next series of books out we'll have to meet again and and talk about them so Okay. okay, well, thanks for visiting with us today and thanks for talking about your books and You're we'll talk to you next time on Twitter. Yeah, cheers. <laughs> Bye, Mark. <laughs>